Well, I'm so glad that you are joining us at Mile City Online as we can kick off and continue our series, No Doubt. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but we live in a world, right, where it is very, very difficult to sometimes know what is true or what is not true. It can literally drive us crazy. There's so many different opinions on these issues and that issue and all the different types of issues out there and where are you getting your resources from. Well, you know, you turn on one news channel, they're saying one thing. You turn on the other news channel, they're saying one thing. You turn on another news channel. And sometimes it's just very, very difficult to understand what is actually true. Like, what should we actually believe? Uh, there is the author, uh, Blake Gideon, uh, from the uh, study that I wrote. I was in the back half, he was in the front half on the Bible Studies for Life app. And I just wanted to highlight some of the things that he said in here in his introduction on this chapter uh, of First John. He says that uh, half of Americans, he looked up some different statistics, he says that half of Americans believe in at least one conspiracy theory. So half of you watching right now, you believe in at least one conspiracy theory. Here's some examples. 40% of Americans believe the FDA is withholding natural cures for cancer because of the money-making that cancer brings, that 40% believe the FDA is withholding that. Uh, 27% believe America is hiding aliens in Area 51. And uh, in the near future, we're going to be getting more and more details of, of these aliens that have come to, to Earth, and we're going to get more and more information. Uh, we're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, and 23% believe that 9-11 was an inside job. Uh, and then uh, here's another one. 19% believe the government is using chemicals to control the population, and that was last year. And so I imagine it's a lot higher these days, especially with all the different views and opinions when it comes to vaccinations. And so sometimes you're just like, well, what do you believe? And then it's important to educate yourself, but then if you educate yourself too much, you can start driving yourself crazy, you can start spinning you into fear, spinning you into anxiety, but it just can be really exhausting trying to understand what is really true. However, Great news, because today as we continue through 1 John, we are going to be reminded that there is an absolute truth that we can anchor on. There is an absolute truth that we don't have to doubt. There is an absolute truth that has been fact-checked and it is backed, and not just backed by anything, but it's backed by an empty tomb, and that is that Jesus Christ is God, that Jesus is is God, and he loved the world so much that, that he came in, in the form of a man to save us from our sin penalty that, that, that we have on us, and he saved us once and for all. That's why he died. That's why he rose again, and we can anchor on this absolute truth that Jesus is God. And then what he's going to do, he's going to kind of put us to the test. First John, you know, the book of John is always just kind of putting our faith to the test. Is he's going to ask us this question. He's going to basically put this question before us is this. Is are you for Christ? Do you believe that Jesus is God? Are you for him or are you anti-Christ? Are you against Christ? Are you for Christ? Have you received Christ into your life to be your Savior? Or are you anti-Christ? Have you rejected him? And so what's going to happen is, is he's going he's to kind of give some warnings out there for those that, who are for Christ uh, uh, that, that you have nothing to fear. But if you're anti-Christ, you have a lot to fear. And that if you're for Christ, you need to be alert of those that are anti-Christ. And then we'll give us some specific ways to look at 
to identify who are antichrist and to be on the lookout and to be aware of that. So that's kind of the journey we're going on today. And here's my hope for any of you that are watching, for any of you that are listening, if in your spirit you know that you are not for Christ and that you are against or anti or not really for it, my hope and prayer is that today God's word would hit you right upside the head and that there would be a humbling and that you would no longer walk in your life anti-Christ, but you would turn and confess in your heart to be for Christ. That's the hope. That's the goal. And so uh, let me pray for you and me before we dive in here. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for being alive and living. And God, I just ask that you would help us to, um, to grab on uh, to your scripture today that you have for us. Uh, help us to see it. Help us not to miss it. Uh, control my mind and speech as I communicate. I need your help. Pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, I want you to open it up to the book of 1 John. Easy to find. Just go to the back of your Bible. You'll see Revelation. Go five books and you're going to find 1 John. Now remember, 1 John was written by John. And uh, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. He was an eyewitness. He saw him. He touched him. Uh, he was a leader of the church of Ephesus. And when he wrote this letter to the church that was being threatened by false teaching, uh, when he wrote this letter, uh, odds are, we're not co completely sure, but uh, there is a lot of agreement that he was writing this when he was in a prison camp on the island of Patmos. He was writing in a valley. He was writing in a difficult situation, uh, but wanting to warn the church of false teaching. Uh, and so here's where we pick up 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18. It says this, <coughs> children. And when he says children here in the original language, it's not like, hey, you little kids. He's talking about the family of God, the community of God. He says, children, it is the last hour. Time is ticking away, tick, tick, ticking away. That's a DC Talk old song. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm sorry, okay? But that is time is ticking away. Time is of the essence. We are living in the last hour. The last hour age started when the first coming of Jesus came. When Jesus came to earth, the countdown clock started to begin. We are living in the last days. <laughs> we are living in the last hour right now. We are. It continues. It says this. It is the last hour. And as you have heard the, that, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. And so he highlights and introduces this phrase, this term, this title called the Antichrist. John is the one who most likely came up with the term Antichrist, but he didn't come up with the idea of the Antichrist. The Antichrist has been talked about hundreds of, uh, over a hundred different times in, in, in scriptures throughout all of the Bible. Uh, he's been given 27 different names in the scriptures. So like for instance, Little Horn, The Coming Prince, Willful King, Man of Lawlessness. And then John introduces this title called the Antichrist. The Antichrist will play a vital role in the seven-year tribulation that will be coming here in the future. Uh, the Antichrist will raise unprecedented evil on this earth that can't even come close to, 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 to Stalin or Hitler. I mean, it will literally put those guys to shame, the evil that he will put on this earth. Uh, but he won't come 
violently in the beginning. He will come peacefully, but then he will switch on the world. Now, uh, last year, August, we did a whole series called Rev It Up. I did a specific talk on the Antichrist. And so if you're more interested in end time stuff and what do you need to know about all that, I encourage you to go back and check out our nine-week series on the book of Revelation. It will give you a 30,000-foot view of the things that you really need to know because sometimes that book can be a lot to swallow. So I just want to encourage you, if you have more interest in that, you can dive in there. Now notice here in this verse when he says Antichrist, but then he says Antichrists. You see, the Antichrist, he doesn't really focus on a whole lot in the next couple verses. Uh, Many have tried to speculate who the Antichrist is over the last few decades. It's always kind of been like the politician that you didn't like became the Antichrist, okay? People are guessing and wondering who it is. We don't know, and we won't know until he declares who he is. But until then, he says there are Antichrists that have come and will continue to come, and you need to be aware of the Antichrists that are coming and that are going to flood the church, that are going to try to destroy the church, destroy believers, and he spends the next few verses warning us, warning the early church of these antichrists that are swarming around, and this is the same warning that we need to be on the lookout for, for antichrists, not singular, but plural, that are swarming all around us. And so what does he do is he gives us three different ways to help us identify the antichrists, plural, that are swarming around us. And he'll show us this in three different ways, that we can identify them because they will depart, we can identify them because they will deny, and we can identify them because they will deceive. Okay, so let's look at the first one, deny, or no, depart. Let's look at the first one, depart. It says this, let's go to the next passage here. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they have been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they all are not of us. We thought that they were of us, but they weren't. They were frauds. They were counterfeits. People thought They would make people think that they were actually for Christ, but in fact, they were actually anti-Christ. And they have left the community. They have departed from the fellowship. They put on a really big act. Which reminds me of the season that we're in right now in the local church all across North America and right here in Metro Detroit. What I like to call the greatest church shuffle I've, I've ever experienced, I've ever seen, um... We've seen this great church shuffle where people are shuffling to different churches, uh, making shifts, making changes, but some are just leaving the church altogether. And there's many different reasons for it. Um, You know, during this season of COVID, of coming out of COVID, um, you know, churches, communities have shown their true colors, right? Uh, Of what you stood for, what you didn't stand for. You know, maybe you were too left, maybe you were too right, maybe you weren't black enough, maybe you weren't white enough, Asian enough, Mexican enough, you were too Trump, you were too Biden. Uh, You know, you you, you took more of a stance on this, but you didn't take a stance on this. And so that's caused people to shuffle. Uh, another reason why there's been a big shuffle is, you know, maybe it was like a, they, they were, it was a, there was a season and they were just over it and there was a time, this was a great time to just try something new. Uh, there's a shuffle because of, of uh, you didn't feel seen. 
you went through a whole season and you didn't feel that you were uh, contacted by your church and you didn't feel loved, you didn't feel supported, and if that's you and you're kind of dipping your toe back in here and you didn't feel seen or loved, please forgive us. That wasn't our intent, um, but it's sometimes easy to have people fall through the cracks, and so maybe that's how you have felt, and there's been a shuffle then because of that. Another reason why people have shuffled or are not coming back to church is because of shame, because of what they allowed themselves to go back into or fall into, and they don't want to come back to their community and be held accountable for that. And maybe for some reason right now, you know, for whatever reason, you're watching today. And I just want to remind you that if you are for Christ, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. And that he is a father who loves you and there is grace and there is forgiveness and there is no judgment. And so I plead with you, come back home. Come back and to your local community, to your local church. Don't walk in shame. But... There's another group of people that have shuffled out of church, that have departed out of church. And this is the saddest one for me. This is the saddest shuffle for, for me that will probably really know by the fall time, if they haven't come back, then most likely maybe they're not coming back. And these are the folks that we thought the seed was real. We thought the faith was real, but it actually just fell on rocky ground, the parable of the sower. It literally, the seed fell on rocky ground and what we thought was for Christ was actually not. And they've walked away and that's sad and that's difficult. And you might seem, well, that seems a little harsh. You're calling them antichrist because they've walked away. Well, listen, you can only be for Christ. If you're not for Christ, then you are anti-Christ. And there's no in-between is what John is saying. You're either for Christ or you're not. And if you're not, then you're anti-Christ. And so my heart breaks and mourns for those that have walked away, whether they just felt like they were done with it or they didn't believe anymore or they're just numb to it or they'd rather take the world than Jesus. And for those of you that are watching that are part of our church family, if you know people or you look around and you're like, where are those people? You know, we do our best as a staff, but we're not this huge staff. Like, we, like call people, reach out to them. And man, maybe they're going to a different gospel-centered church. Praise God. Uh, you know, maybe they're not ready to come back to in-person service because of health. We honor that. But some are just walking away and they're departing and they're becoming anti Christ, anti-Jesus, anti-Messiah. And so if that's the case, may we be a group of people that still pursue and still reach out to them. And so that's the first sign of those that are anti-Jesus, anti-Christ, were those that were in the community but then departed and have not gone to another community is what he points out. Here's the next one. It says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So he's basically saying, I'm just affirming what you already know. And then he continues, who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. 
he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. He gets very, very specific. Another sign of the Antichrist, those that are Antichrist, are those that deny that Jesus is the Son of God. They will deny that Jesus is God. And you have to understand this is really, really important. You can have no part of the Father if you don't have the Son. And you can have no part of the Son if you, you don't get the Father. If you don't have the Son, you don't get the Son if you don't have the Father. There's, there's this universal way of thinking that's false teaching that makes everyone think, well, okay, well, I believe in the higher power. I believe in God. But I don't know about that Jesus thing. I, I guess I just got to put up with the concept of, of, of Jesus. If that is your thinking, if you are denying Jesus as God, then you are not for God, you are anti-God because Jesus is God. And just have to be really clear in that. And if you deny Jesus, in the end, he will deny you. But if you do not deny Jesus, and if you abide in him, well, good news, here's what it says, Next, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you and what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. If you abide in him, if you continue to live and have Jesus deeply inside of your life, then forever for eternity, he will be with you forever. It's an amazing promise. It's an amazing, amazing gift. Now for me, as I've read this this week, uh, it's been, uh, it's very difficult for me not to read this and not think about what's been happening in Afghanistan. Uh, when we see pastors and believers having courage and taking a stand and not denying Jesus as God, even in the midst of threat, even in the midst of torture, even in the, in the midst of what we hear reports saying from the International Mission Board of them being hunted down, if they have Bibles on their phone, then they're immediately, you know, beheaded or, you know, the list goes on and on and on. It's just horrendous. And yet, the stories of these martyrs that are being hunted saying, I am for Christ. I am not anti-Christ. I am for Christ. And they're taking this unbelievable stand. Which then, as we pray and we lift up the persecuted church, it's really, really sobering when we think about our world and how in our lifetime to think about that type of threat having a possibility in our lifetime here on our soil where we'll have to answer that question. And, you know, I'm not trying to use scare tactics here today, but seriously, this is a question that we have to ask ourselves. And it might seem a little morbid, but it's really good and it's really important for us to ask ourselves the question, what would you do? What would you do if your life was on the line, if you were being threatened? Are you for Christ or are you anti-Christ? How would you respond? That's a really big faith test question. To really see where we're at in our faith journey. 
to talk about the strength of our faith. And I mean, I ask myself that question and I, I want to believe that I would say like, that I would stand tall and I would say I'm for Christ. I mean, I want to believe I would say that. But then as I start thinking about, well, what if my kids are on the line? Then how would I respond? It's a very, very difficult, challenging question, but it's important for us to wrestle with that. Wrestle with that thought. In the midst of persecution, in the midst of threat, in the midst of pain, will you stand for Christ? Or would you deny? Or would you be anti-Christ in that moment? What a sobering, faith-testing, faith-building question that is important for Jesus' followers to ask themselves. Here's the last one. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. And so another characteristics of how we can point out those that are antichrist are those that try to deceive. Those that are purposely trying to deceive people away from the truth that Jesus is God. And the question is, is are you one who is trying to deceive others? Or have you been deceived? Is there something in your spirit that makes you question, am I being deceived by other false teachings? I want to be really clear today. When it comes to the religion of Islam, Allah is not Yahweh. They are not the same. Muhammad does not even compare to Yeshua, the great prophet, the great I am, Jesus Christ. There is no comparison. Muhammad is in a grave dead, has been decaying. Jesus is alive. There are religions that we would say are cults, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, that literally take little tiny tweaks away to just belittle the power of Jesus, to lure people away from the truth, deceiving so many that Jesus is just the Son of God, or Jesus was just a really great prophet, but he is not God. That is a lie that is trying to deceive. There are Protestant religions that have false gospels that don't preach the whole gospel, that only preach about love and grace but don't preach the other side of it. There are prosperity gospels that just try to get your money and if you give then God's going to bless you with more materialistic stuff, which is just a lie. There are Protestant religions that teach that you can work your way to salvation, that, that your works will get you to heaven. Hear me so clearly, that is a lie. Your works will get you rewards in heaven here on earth, but it will not get you to heaven. The only thing that gets you eternal life is faith in Jesus alone. And so, don't be deceived by the antichrist. And know that if you are for Christ, and if you've put your faith in Christ, the deceiver, the antichrist is no match for you. It is no match for you. And so you keep a 
abiding in Jesus. You keep letting it sink in. You keep persevering. If you are for Christ, you have his power dwelling inside of you. And so he closes out this section and he says, and now little children, community, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Basically, he's saying, be ready. Be ready with confidence, with no guilt, with no shame, with no excuses when he arrives. Don't be caught off guard in such a way because he will come and we're living in the last days and he will come like a thief in the night. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you for Christ or are you anti-Christ? If you are for Christ, be encouraged today that you have nothing to fear. And in the end, we win big time. We win for eternity. But if you are anti-Christ, you should fear. Because you will lose big time. And you will lose for eternity. And it's not good. And I'm not trying to use scare tactics with you, but I'm just telling you, John's trying to warn you. God's trying to warn you that you should really make sure that you know what you're doing and why you're choosing to be anti-Jesus, anti-Messiah instead of for him. And so, where do you fall into the category? Are you for Christ or are you anti-Christ? Here's the characteristics that we can look for. Are you one that is trying to deceive? Just know here at Mile City that we constantly pray and look for those that are trying to deceive. Sheeps and wolf's clothing, just know that we pray against you and we're on the lookout. Two, if you're being deceived by a false religion and that's something that you recognize today, you can run from that false religion and you can run to Jesus today and he will receive you. Maybe uh, you've been denying Jesus and you've been denying the idea that Jesus is truly God and you've been trying to hope for like, well, I can just grab onto the higher power and I can just grab onto God. Be reminded today, you can't grab onto the higher power without grabbing onto Jesus. It just doesn't work. And then, Maybe another question for you today is really processing when push comes to shove and you or your family is threatened with pain and with death or with torture or whatever it might be someday or could be someday. Where is your faith? Would you stand for Christ or would you deny Christ? And then maybe for some of you, You've watched this long, and maybe you've, you've departed. You're, you're basically on the edge of leaving the community for the world or for whatever reason. Maybe it's because you don't feel worthy enough. Maybe it's because you feel, because God can't forgive you and you feel shame. Oh, friend, please don't depart. Don't end your life being anti-Christ. Before Christ. He loves you. He's reaching out for you. 
That's why he's speaking to you right now. That's why you're feeling what you're feeling right now. He hasn't given up on you. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he died for you. That's why he rose again for you. And so stop running away and move towards Jesus and he will move towards you. Are you ready to be for Christ? Then I wanna give you that opportunity right now. And so wherever you're watching, just stop what you're doing. Open up your hands, open up your heart, open up your mind and just have a real conversation with him. Just say, Father, I'm tired of running. I'm tired of disbelieving. I don't know all the answers, but today I'm declaring that I am for you. I am for you, Jesus. I confess of my sin and I thank you for being the one that paid for it for me. Thank you for dying for me, tell him that. Thank you for rising again for me, tell him that. Right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. As we keep praying, my friend, if you truly meant that, the scriptures are so clear that you will no longer perish, but you will have everlasting, eternal life. And your life truly begins right now. Father, help us to be alert to the great enemy's plans to try to take us off course. Thank you for the power that is living inside of us that gives us the strength to fight against the enemy and his powers and his schemes, the antichrists all around us swarming. God, continue to help us to be bold, to be courageous, strengthen our faith, um, strengthen the power, uh, help us to be more alert to the power that's living inside of us. We love you and we pray this in the power of your son's name, Jesus. Amen. My friend, if you truly decided today to declare that you are for Jesus, you are for Christ, and you started a relationship with him today, please don't walk alone. It's not good to walk alone. Uh, our vision's helping people move towards God. So you can just text the number on the screen there to Miles City, and we're going to get with you. We're going to answer questions that you have, and we're going to help you on that process to move towards God. But here's what we're going to do to close out. Um, we're going to play a song that talks about the wonder-working God who does miracle upon miracle upon miracle. And um, man, we've seen here at this church God do so many miracles. Um, we've seen him break through strongholds. We've seen him do amazing, amazing things. And before you go, do whatever you're doing. Go into the grocery store, lawn the lawn. I, I just want to ask you, we're gonna play a song that, that talks about the power of God's miraculous power. And I just want us collectively as a church today, online and in person to beg God together as a community to move in miraculous ways with the persecuted church in Afghanistan. We need to see God move. Uh, we've seen it before. We read in scripture of two prison breakouts that basically they were invisible walking out of jail. I mean, we need to pray that God would do that. That when these Christians and pastors are being hunted down, that, 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 that we would see Daniel in the lion's den moments where the lions didn't touch him. That, that, that 
you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace that like, it didn't even scar him, it didn't even touch him. We need to see the Taliban not be freaked out and scared by world powers like America. We need to see the Taliban go to their knees because of the wonder-working power of Jesus. That they see the miracle right before their eyes and then they just crash to the ground because only God could do such a thing. And so I believe the global church is begging God for miracles right now to happen. And we want to be a part of it. And uh, so let's do that. So as they play this song, let's pray for courage. Let's pray for protection, miraculous protection. And let's pray for the rise of the second fastest growing church in the world right now, Afghanistan. Let's pray for Taliban leaders and members to be humbled. Let's let's pray that these Taliban leaders would go from Saul to Paul's. Because remember, Paul was a church hunter and then was transformed by the power of Jesus. May their eyes be opened up to the light. May God just break and just blind them (laughs) in a sense to then open up their eyes to the power of Jesus, of him. So that was a lot I just said. But let's just pray together as a church for God's power to show off in the persecuted church right now. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, it's you. 